Welcome to the May uh, 2020 meeting for the Google Educator Group of Ohio. This is a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in G Suite from the last month. We share Google tips and tricks and answer questions related to using Google tools in school. My name is Eric Kurtz and I'm a technology integration specialist at the Stark Portage Area Computer Consortium or SPARC for short. Uh, we are an information technology center serving schools in Northeast Ohio. Um, I am also joined as always by Stephanie. Give Stephanie a moment to introduce herself. Hey everyone, it's Stephanie Howe here. I am from Pickerington. Um, I'm currently an instructional technology coordinator for the district and um, I help students and teachers use technology and it's a lot of fun. Right now it's been a lot of fun with the remote learning and our teachers just ended their work um, on Friday for summer. So I am busy planning for the next school year. Thanks for joining. Awesome. And although Stephanie and I are both from Ohio, uh, we do not want anybody to ever think that you must be an Ohioan to join this meeting. Uh, this meeting is open to anyone inside or outside of Ohio, uh, just as long as you have an interest in using Google tools for education. Uh, everybody is welcome, and we're very happy to see folks in the chat from uh, across the country and around the globe. That is wonderful. We appreciate it so much. All of the resources for today's meeting can be found in our Google Doc. Um, it is an editable agenda, which can be located on our GEG Ohio website. That website is bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. If you do not have the agenda open, you can head to that website and you'll find the link to the agenda there. On the website, here's the GEG Ohio website. Um, there's a link to the monthly meetings that will bring up a... Uh, little table there with all of the different um, dates and times when we have our meetings. And next to each one of those, there is a link that says agenda link. So for today's May 28th meeting, there's the agenda link that will get you into this Google document. Um, this Google document is editable, so please feel free to add your own comments, questions, resources, links, and such. Uh, several locations in here that might make sense for that would include things such as the upcoming events, if you're aware of any trainings or webinars or opportunities for people to plug into. There's also a section called Q&A where you can add questions and answers. Please feel free to do both. And then there's a show and tell section that includes a spot called GEG Community Show and Tell, where anybody from the GEG community is encouraged and, and welcomed and thank you guys for doing so to put in uh, any resources you would like to share with the group. Um, in addition to leaving comments and editing the agenda itself, you can also communicate through the live YouTube chat that we have going on. And we'll do our best to keep an eye on that. So with all of that said, let's go ahead and jump into the agenda and get this meeting started. All right, so we've um, already done the introductions. Let's head down to the section called important links. And um, there's a couple that we are going to draw to your attention this time. I always mention this first one, which is highlighted in green, and that is the sign in form. Uh, we would encourage you to please take a moment to sign in for the meeting. Uh, this is a uh, simple Google form that just asks for your name, email address, where you're from, uh, choose today's date, and um, of course, online is the only way to attend meetings now. So of course it'll be online, but there is a question in here that asks, is this the first time you've attended uh, one of our Google user group meetings? Um, this form, we, do, uh, we use this for a couple of purposes. 
Uh, one is I use this to send out certificates of attendance. Um, so if that's valuable to you to get a certificate of attendance for your renewal, um, you'll typically get two hours out of each one of these meetings. That's usually how long they run. If it's less, I'll, I'll certainly adjust that. Um, so I do use that to send those certificates out. But I also use the information to report numbers to Google. I do not give them your names or email addresses. I only use that to email out the certificates. But I do use this to report numbers to them because they do want to be able to track the, uh, the, the attendance at all the Google Educator Group meetings. Um, so that is one of the links I wanted to mention. The other link that um, I was going to mention real quick is that we do have a survey that uh, we sent out to the email distribution list. So you may have already seen this, but if you're in the meeting today and not part of that list, you uh, won't be aware of this yet. Um, we thought it would be a good time to pause and just get a, an official survey of how are things going with the Google Educator Group here? What have you found beneficial? You know, what would you like to see more of? You know, any suggestions? So when you get some time, um, if you haven't had a chance to fill that out yet, we would encourage you to please click on that link that'll take you out to the form and, um, you know, fill in um, the information there. It'll be really helpful for us as we plan moving forward um, to how better serve everybody and help GEG Ohio grow, but also to, to meet your needs. So thank you to everybody who's already filled it out. We've had wonderful response and thanks in advance for those who are still going to. Uh, Stephanie, uh, anything you would like to mention out of the important links? Um, I know sometimes it's a good time to plug the podcast. Yeah, so we do have a podcast. Um, all of our monthly meetings get added to our Anchor podcast, which goes out to Apple, Google, pretty much all the podcast areas you can find. So if you're one that can't watch live, you can listen later if you don't have enough time to watch the recording. Um, we also have Twitter, and it's at OhioGEG, so you can find us there. And then, yeah, please fill out the survey so we can improve. We're trying to work on some other initiatives with Ohio GEG. So this will just help us figure out how to best suit our community and what you guys need and how we can best help and support you. Um, Luis also just joined it on. He is our special guest. So I'm going to have him really quick say hi. Luis, do you want to say hi to everybody? Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good to have you here, Luis. Um, so yeah, normally uh, we try to have a guest on each each month, and uh, we are so fortunate to have you with us here today. Um, uh, as always, we have the uh, the show and tell portion that is later in the um, in the meeting where um, we'll give you a chance to really just feature and share whatever it is you you have brought to share today but we don't want you to feel limited by that. So at any point throughout today, if there's something you want to jump in on and, and comment on, whether we're talking about an update or, you know, anything, please do not hesitate. Uh, you, do not, you do not have to wait until the show and tell section. <laughs> so uh, no, no obligation either. If you just want to hang out, that's great. But uh, Stephanie, thank you for, for acknowledging that uh, our guest is here. I'll try and behave. Stephanie knows me, so she knows it'll be really hard for me to behave, but I'll try. <laughs> right. it is very hard but um i he snuck in he was like oh i'll be here at two no he snuck in and we are happy to have you here louise so please be on your best behavior oh, wonderful <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep on moving. The uh, next section in our agenda we'll just touch very briefly is about the updates. We just want to remind you that in between the meetings, there's lots of ways to stay connected. The two main ways are the old Google Plus community and the new um, Google group. Now, Google Plus 
um, can only be used now with educational accounts, no longer personal accounts. So for some people, that's no longer an opportunity for them. So this may not be able to serve everybody, but if you still have access to Google Plus and you would like to uh, join our Google Plus community, um, please feel free to do that as a great way to share resources and to stay connected in between. But um, we're definitely encouraging people to take advantage of our new uh, GEG Ohio email distribution group. So this is a Google group that you can sign up for. The directions are here on how to sign up for the group. And basically it's just like a normal email distribution group. Anytime you've got a question, you can just send an email to the group and everybody gets your question, you know, and we use that as well to send out announcements and share resources. Uh, it's open to anybody and um, it's everybody's allowed to email and answer and, and, and contribute and share through that. So it's just a great way to stay connected in between our meetings if you've got any questions and we're uh, continually seeing that group grow. That is a, a, a newer way that we've been trying to stay connected. All right. Next up, we have our upcoming events. And I think I'll probably let Stephanie um, start off with this because I know she's got some pretty uh, nifty things from Global GEG to mention. There are a number of things in this list. Um, I did not add anything new this time, but I, 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 obviously a lot of people have. So I would encourage you to please do look through all the bulleted items here. Looks like there are a number of conferences that ended up having to go virtual and in doing so are providing the trainings for free. And so whether it's the ICE conference or whether it's the GTech summit, you know, um, whether it was the Neotech conference from earlier that now has recordings, um, so many ways to get plugged in to professional learning. Uh, but Stephanie, why don't you tell us about what's going on with uh, Global GEG? Yeah, so Global GEG is just taking all of the local GEGs and kind of putting them together to do bigger events. So that way we have more people to help out with. So here's the website, it's on the agenda, and it just talks about who we are, the events that we have, how you can connect with Global GEG and get on their email list. But here are upcoming sessions and we also put recordings. So go ahead and click the upcoming sessions, Eric. Sure thing. And once you click there, you can see yesterday uh, there was a get going with Google Admin Console. So a lot of Google trainers have these admin consoles, but they don't know what to do with it. So Abbott and John and a couple other people led a, an amazing session the last, um, it was yesterday and a week before about the Google Admin Console and how to use it and how to get the best bang for your buck as a trainer and using that domain because it's really powerful. So that was a really good session and the recordings are all available. Um, on Friday, we have Edu Protocols with John Crypto and he's gonna be just talking about how to use those Edu Protocols. They're really quick, easy lesson frames that require zero prep. So he's gonna share that on Friday. We also have a getting started as a GEG leader because me and Eric, we get a lot of questions about, I wanna start a GEG, but what's the next step? So Georgina is leading that session. Um, so she's got session four and session five coming up but you can watch all the recordings to catch up if you are interested in leading a GEG. Um, we have also got our global launch that's gonna be coming up. We also have the EdTech Smackdown, which was really popular the first round. If you wanna sign up for that to attend, you can. If you wanna present, just let me know and we can try to get you in to present with us. And then we're gonna be talking about what is a PLN and how to energize your life with one. So those are just some of the sessions. And then there's also ongoing sessions. So they've got the staff room that's still going on due to COVID. 
and you can attend those every single week. There's three times a week on Sundays, Tuesday and Thursday, where you can just connect with other educators. You can vent, you can come up with like brainstorming ideas. And these staff rooms are amazing because you're not just collaborating with your local area, you're collaborating with people around the world. So some people from China have joined and they're already back in school. So they're giving us like the future look into what could happen or what mistakes they're making and to not do that. If you're interested in the Innovator Academies, Leslie has an amazing um, open chat just to talk about the innovator process and getting your application ready for that. And then Darren and Ben do a short and sweet episode every single Thursday. And it's, tonight it's on Google Meet if you're interested in learning more about how to use Google Meet. And then down below is the calendar. And then if we go all the way to the top again, and we're gonna click um, events, global GEG, and then we're gonna go to the bootcamp. So we are very excited because all of us local GEG members were like, we need to do boot camps for our local areas, but it's a lot of work. Um, to put on a boot camp, it, it takes a lot of power. And so there's about 20 people that are gonna be presenting different EdTech Google suite tips, tricks, and tools to help you with level one. Level two will be coming in July. So if you are interested, there is an area to sign up for level two and level one. So all the information again is in the show notes. It's three Fridays from nine to 12 um, Eastern. And you can pick and choose. You can see the agenda on the website. So if you only want to come to drive, you can see what time that's going to be offered and you can log in at that time. If you want to stay for the whole session, feel free. If you just want to come on day two for docs, you can do that. Um, all sessions will be recorded. So if you cannot attend these three days, still sign up and you can get the recording. Feel free to share with your district. I shared this with my district and a lot of teachers are excited because they want to improve on their Google skills. The only thing, it's completely free. The only thing you would have to pay for if you wanted was grad credit. And then if you want to pay for the test. However, that's not required to attend and learn about G Suite level one tools. And then again, in July, we're hoping to do um, a level two. And then we have in the computer area, the office hours. So we, we're going to have office hours on Mondays. And we have a lot of signups. <laughs> um, so we're probably going to have to change that from a Google Meet to a YouTube um, live stream just because of the amount of people and Google Meet will not be able to hold that many people. So just sign up for updates and to let you know any changes that might happen. That is fantastic. What a wonderful resource. Um, for anybody that's wondering about prices for the test, um, level one is still $10 and level two is $25. Um, I, I don't believe that has changed since the last time I took a look at that. But again, like you said, the test itself you know, is optional. Just attending the training itself uh, can be uh, incredibly valuable. But for those yeah, that do want to take the test. Can come. I've gotten a lot of emails. I'm a para pro. Can I come? Yes. It's for anybody that just wants to learn. So feel free to send all this information out to your districts or anybody that you know that might need help or be interested in this session. Um, so that's going to be kicking off in June. And also, I forgot to mention, we're going to have a leaderboard. Um, so I love games. I'm very, very competitive. And so leaderboards coming soon. And you are able to win different points by doing different tasks. So make sure you stay um, up to date and make sure you sign up if you want to be a part of the leaderboard. I will not be on the leaderboard. So there is a good chance you could win. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, um, 
This is fantastic. Uh, and I agree. You know, a lot of times we think about these boot camps for level one, level two training. Um, I know many of us have offered these. I've offered them in the past as well. And um, it's not necessarily about passing the test. I mean, a lot of times it is just, hey, I want to improve my Google knowledge and uh, going through the training will do that. It will give you a very solid um, base with all of these different tools. Having said that, when it's done, hey, it's only 10 bucks to try the test, you know, might as well take it for a spin and, and try it out. And, uh, you know, you, you, it certainly would be something I would encourage people to do to get that level one certification. So, all right. Well, anything else on that, Stephanie? Not on that side. Um, also, I just wanted to mention ISTE has memberships at kind of a discounted rate. So mm -hmm. they are now charging uh, $75 a year compared to 125. So if you are interested in an ISTE membership, I really enjoy the PLN that I have from ISTE. There's like a huge discussion thread that you can participate in. I've stolen a ton of resources from that group just by them sharing. So if you are interested in becoming an ISTE member, it is $75 right now. And I think they just posted that yesterday. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, I definitely take advantage of their different learning communities that they have um, on, on, on the SD site. And that is very nice to be plugged into that. Well, good. Um, I don't know if there was any other of the bullets in here that you wanted to mention. I'm not going to uh, draw attention to any others in particular. I think uh, there's a lot of excellent things that people have added in here. I would encourage you to check out these links for the different upcoming conferences, whether they're in-person or virtual, and take advantage of any of these. Uh, anything else you wanted to add to that section, Stephanie? The boot camp was the big one that I yeah. wanted to touch on. So, All right. But the other conferences look really well. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of them have gone virtual and, you know, like, hey, maybe I wasn't going to be able to drive to Indiana, you know, to attend this conference. You know, well, you don't have to. <laughs> it's, it's virtual now. And, uh, you know, um, you know, some eventually I know we're going we're gonna to be face to face uh, at, at some point here. Uh, but it is so awesome that so many of these conferences are providing virtual um, options for us. Very good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into the next section, which is what's new in G Suite for Education. And this is where we uh, try to keep our ear to the ground. And all throughout the month, Stephanie and I monitored the Google Twitter feeds and the blogs and pretty much anything that's related to Google. And when news comes out, we try to copy and paste it into the document here. And as you can see, May was a busy month. There's a lot, a lot of new things that came out related to Google. Uh, as always, we will mention uh, quite a few of these that really stood out to us. We may skip over a few. Um, if we do, the links are all there that you can investigate those more on your own. Um, but we'll go ahead and um, uh, jump into this. So, um, Stephanie, do you want to kick us off here with our uh, first one about uh, the uh, live caption for Windows, Mac, and Linux, and Chrome OS? I'm going to have you go real quick because I'm coughing. Sure. <laughs> I will. So, <laughs> that's, why it's, that's why there's two of us. That makes it great. So, this, um, just a quick heads up. Um, so, live caption is something that's been around for a while, but it used to only be on Android. So, if you had an Android phone, you could use live caption. It's being added now as just part of the Chrome 
browser. So on a Windows machine, a Mac, a Linux, or on a Chromebook, on the Chrome OS. And we say, well, what is live caption? Well, basically, here's the idea behind live caption. It allows you to get captions for any media that is playing on your device. Now you say, well, Eric, YouTube, that's media that already has captions. Yes, you probably wouldn't use it for that. But any other kind of streaming media, anything else that's making a noise, you know, so if you're watching a video from, from a different service, or if you're, you know, if there's a live stream that, 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 you're, that, that you're monitoring, um, or if you're using a video conferencing tool that does not support live captioning, this is now going to be built into Chrome. You'll be able to just turn on live captioning and you will get, you know, the little caption box at the bottom and it will use artificial intelligence to listen to whatever noise is coming through your computer and it will provide you with live captions for it. So uh, I always love to share accessibility tools whenever those come out because they're valuable for all of us. And I'm just happy to see that this is on its way. Don't expect to see it tomorrow. I think it said it's in the Canary version of Chrome right now. So uh, usually from Canary, then it moves into um, uh, the beta, then it moves into the stable. And usually those are six six weeks apart. So maybe a little time. If I may comment. It's very similar. I've, I've played with a beta sometime a, long, a while ago, and it, it's similar to the one that you get in Google Slides when you do captions for Google Slides. And it's really, really good, except that it only works in English for now that I know of. That's good to know. Um, so I, I, that does make sense that it would behave a lot like what we're seeing in um, um, Google Slides, because I think it's, it's that same core service that's behind all of this, whether it's live transcribe, which is the, another awesome one that you can use on your phone, whether it's live caption, whether it's the, uh, the, 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 the live captions inside of slides. Uh, but um, good to know that uh, the limitation at the moment appears to be that it is only in, in English. And, uh, and then Peggy in the chat, she just asked, can you get the live captions when you're watching a webinar recording? So again, the idea is, yes, that, that would be, that would be the answer. Now in a case like this, like today, you know, I'm, since we're doing this through YouTube, YouTube will auto caption this. I don't have to upload a caption file. You can go to the caption button in YouTube and, you know, when you watch the recording of this, it will do an AI generated subtitle for this entire video. Um, But if it was like, you know, a live webinar and it's through a service that doesn't provide captioning. Yeah, that, that's exactly the idea is that once this is baked into Chrome, you'll be able to turn on live captioning and any noise that's coming through your computer. So no matter what it is, a live webinar or whatever, it will be doing an AI generated live caption of that for you. All right. So the next one we're going to talk about is the new Google Lens features. Um, I haven't been using Google Lens, but I looked at it again today and I'm like, why do I not use this tool as Mm. much as I should? But on here, you can take a picture of something and it will show you what it is or where you can buy it, um, which is amazing. And then their new feature that they just came out with is you can take a picture of... um, your handwriting, and then it can go to the Google Doc. So you can see here the image is being captured, and then you can now highlight it, and then you can now say copy to computer. You go over to your computer, and you can go to file, paste, or (laughs) command, control V, and um, 
it's there, which is just amazing. That is. Now, of course, I'm sure it's going to depend on how neat your handwriting is. <laughs> so the, the neater you write, the better. But oh my gosh, isn't that wonderful? Just taking regular handwritten notes. <laughs> it it wouldn't work on my handwriting. I hardly <laughs> understand it. It used, to be, it used to be able to solve Sudoku puzzles also, and they took it away. I don't know. Oh, oh that's, that's oh. not cool. So that's awesome. Um, other, you, other new features? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can learn new words and how to pronounce them, which is really cool. I mean, I struggle. Luis knows this. I struggle with different languages. And so now you can, you know, look at the book, take, get your screenshot of it, and then click it, and then it will translate it and read it to you so you can practice. Um, yeah, there's a video with showing how to do it. Oh, so you can, like, okay. highlight what you want to hear, which is just really amazing. Does it do, does it change between time zones? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that is listening, I am not good with time zones. So I'm I not need at Google, all. Oh. I need Google Lens to help me with time zones. That's Stephanie, I cannot thing. tell you how many times I have messed that up and ended <laughs> up double booking myself at a conference because, you know, somebody asked, could I do a booth at a certain time? And it's a conference in a different state. And I'm like, sure, I'm available. No, I'm not. I'm doing a session at that time. I, I, I mess that up all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not mine. <laughs> Luis can help me with that. Or Google feel Lens. Bad. <laughs> don't feel bad. And then you can quickly also look up new concepts. Um, I was in a book study about background knowledge and how students really struggle with, when we say Google it, like with vocabulary words. Um, that is a huge concept for them so when they're reading and then they have to look up a word especially if they have a disability that can cause a lot of issues with them remembering what they just read but I feel like with Google Lens here you go you take an image of it and then you can now see what it is what it means it's kind of a quick way to go okay that's what that word means I can continue to read so I feel like this technology is getting really better than just saying Google it we could maybe say use Google Lens to help you that's wonderful. Looks like all these features are uh, available right away, except for um, Listen, which is the one that reads the stuff aloud. It's on Android at the moment, and it's coming soon to iOS. So uh, that would be the only caveat at the moment is um, the, um, the Listen option, which will read aloud what you have highlighted, um, is still coming out to iOS. Google Lens getting better and better all the time. Love it. All right. All right, what's up next? Uh, next up, we have Kids Can Learn um, at Home with the Read Along app for Android. Now, this is specific to Android, so I do realize that it definitely is going to, to uh, leave some folks out who use iOS, but it's still a valuable tool that um, we definitely want to get on people's radar. And so what this is, is something that um, originally came out um, I think about a year ago, I remember hearing about this um, and it was developed in, it was launched in India. That was where this um, app first was launched from Google. And it was so successful there. It had, they had such good reception with it. And they said, well, let's expand it to, to the rest of the world. And so what it is, is a free app to teach children to read. Um, so they're recommending ages five and up, and um, it is a reading app that takes kids through read-alongs read and games and activities and 
teaches them to read. <laughs> so uh, if you have an Android device um, or a Chromebook that supports Android apps, that would be the other thing you say, well, I'm an iOS person. Well, if you've got a Chromebook though, don't forget if it's a in, in any way reasonably modern Chromebook, um, it should support Android apps as well. And there's some hoops to jump through to get that turned on, um, but you can run Android apps on a Chromebook. And so this would be another way to get um, uh, some, some reading practice and it does run um, offline as well. Everything runs out of the app. So you don't even have to have Wi-Fi connection when you go to run the app. So great thing. I know when I, when my kids were little, um, I was always, always looking for good reading apps and spelling apps and things as they were young to teach them. Um, with uh, my grandson, <laughs> I ended up doing the same thing. I used uh, Khan Academy Kids, uh, which I may have mentioned at some point, you know, years ago on this, um, on this uh, meeting um, as well. But Khan Academy Kids was what helped teach my grandson, Gavin, all, all of his letters. <laughs> so uh, nice to have another option for us. All right, what's up next here? Stephanie? Before we go to our next oh, one, in please. the chat, John just posted um, something that might help people with the resource where we are talking about Google Lens. Um, he just said that using Google Lens is like the rocket book. So if you're familiar with that rocket book where you yeah. can write on it, put it in the microwave and it disappears the writing, it works very similar. Um, John just tested it. He took notes. I don't know how John's handwriting is. Maybe he'll let us know in the chat. And well, it he, worked perfectly. He's, he's from Australia, so it's upside down. But other than that, it's <laughs> So it works normal. perfectly in Australia. Um, <laughs> so just let us know how your handwriting was, John. Um, so that's awesome. The next one, though, is using VR and AR with the mobile. So you can search using Google, and then you can find different, like, virtual field trips um, so you could go through the human body and then it makes the learning come kind of to life because you can bring it out and see it, you know, in 3D. So we use a lot of virtual reality in our district. We have kits where I can see a teacher. They're teaching real quick. Click um, view in three. I think it's like 3D is what it says. You just click a button and then it just kind of can pop out on your screen and then kids can move around and look at it. So very nice for those quick teachable moments where you need a demonstration and you don't have it, um, you might also be able to say at home, now we're, that we're remote learning, go ahead and get your phone out, go here, and go ahead and move your phone around to see the different parts of an animal cell or plant cell or whatever you're teaching. Uh, and I've tried this out. It really is neat. Um, they've been doing this for a while. It was animals at first. That was the big thing. They had a ton of animals. If you search for, you know, alligator, you could then look at a, you know, 3D alligator put into augmented reality in your living room and you can walk around it, you know? So uh, this announcement is that they've added uh, 11 human body systems and they've added um, uh, plant, uh, animal, bacteria, cells. And it is neat. I mean, until you've tried, I mean, if you haven't tried it, try it out because it drops a 3D model right in front of you, you know, on your living room floor or your desk or wherever you're at and you can make it bigger, smaller, walk around it. And it uh, really does make it much more immersive when and, studying that. And the app also allows you to take pictures within it. So there's that little circle in the middle, that's a picture button. So you can actually take a picture of whatever it is that you're looking for uh, looking at at the moment. Or if you load like a shark or a panda or whatever, you can also take a picture of yourself next to the panda or to the ah. shark, which is really nice. <laughs> Oh, and I awesome. think, too, taking a picture of it, then the kids could upload it to a Google slide or Jamboard, and then they could write about it or give a more description of what they're seeing. 
Yeah. Also, since it calculates more or less the area that you're in, it will put in the giant panda the size of a giant panda. So you'll see it in context in your own living room or dining room or whatever. So you know exactly how big a great white chicken is. It's really cool. And I think we're just going to see more and more of this because that's been the pattern. You know, Google keeps adding more and more 3D models. And it's just through the regular mobile search. Just do a regular search and throw in, you know, animal cell, plant cell, you know, and boom, you know, it'll it'll give you the option to click on the view. I think it says view in your space. And it gives you this little, you know, 3D button. Very nice. Good stuff. All right. Uh, next one up uh, that I'm going to mention is uh, related to uh, Google's Grow with Google program, which if you're not familiar with is what's behind Applied Digital Skills. I know you've heard me talk about Applied Digital Skills many, many, many times. Um, well, again, with COVID and so many things going, you know, virtual, uh, Grow with Google has now started offering some free virtual trainings of the content that you normally would get through Applied Digital Skills, which is a lot of, um, a lot of tech skills and business skills and things like that. Um, so if you go to this blog post, you can get the gist of it. But if you follow the link from there, to grow with Google on air. This is where all of these trainings are being held at. So what you'll notice is they've got upcoming trainings and then any that have happened before, they've got the recordings of them. Now, some of them are very businessy, you know, because that's kind of the purpose of grow with Google's are trying to you know, help with job skills, which is wonderful. In a school situation, this might really apply well to an economics class or a career tech class or things like that. But there's a lot of things that are general enough that anybody can benefit. Like I noticed this one from May 12th was about collaborate, meet, and work remotely. Well, who couldn't benefit from that? I mean, we're all dealing with that right now. Uh, but then there's other ones in here um, coming up like um, the digital skills for everyday tasks. This is more for somebody who's just a beginner with technology and needing to get more comfortable with some of the basics of email and collaborative docs and, and things like that. So although there a lot of this is uh, a little bit more leaning towards some business topics, there's a lot of things in here that are also very general and could be beneficial for everyone. So heads up as we're talking about professional development opportunities that are virtual, there's one more to add to the list. And I think too, if you um, were to open that up again, like there's different colors. So I don't know if that's different skill levels. I don't know if you saw that, Eric, but like, um, I don't know what they the had coloring. Like blue. So yeah. I don't know if there's something around that, but that might help if it did. Yeah. But I think this is good for high school students that are looking for jobs or college students that are ready to interview for a job. Because I didn't get a whole lot of practice with that. Or if I ever had to apply again for something, I, yeah. I don't, I mean, I haven't had an interview in years. <laughs> right. And that really is the whole gist of applied digital skills. The end result is helping everybody get a job. That, that's really what it is, whether it's a person currently in the workforce wanting to um, increase their skills, move into a new profession, or whether it's for um, high school students wanting to gain technology skills to put on their resume for when they graduate. Ultimately, that's the gist of applied digital skills. And we're just now you know, having these additional ways to receive some of these trainings, which is nice. Here's like, here's one on collaborating in Google Drive. That's a nice general one that anybody could certainly benefit from. All right, uh, next up, 
what do we have here? So Stephanie? Google Meet is now available for personal accounts. Um, it looks like Avid made some notes to the side, so we'll have to read those. Um, but Google Meet is now available for anybody that has a Google account. So just be aware that, you know, parents or friends, a lot of people were using Zoom or FaceTime. They can now also use Google just like um, us in education. And I know there was a question down asking if Google Meet will be free for next school year, the, pre the enterprise part of Google Meet. I've been told September. I'm not sure. I think they're probably waiting for what's going to happen with COVID. So hopefully we can find out more about when, they, how long they're going to extend that. Yeah, that is a good question. I don't know the answer to that either. Um, Google, so Google Meet, the basic version of it, it I mean, that's always going to be free, of course. And the, the, the gist of this announcement is that it's now available for um, non-G Suite users, just personal Google accounts. Because yeah, prior to now, if you wanted to do a Google video conference with a personal account, you'd probably be using Google Hangouts. Um, but Hangouts is kind of getting phased out. Meet is the new you know, iteration of that with so much more security and, and features. And I think eventually that was probably going to happen. I just think COVID moved the calendar up a bit. It, it made these changes happen a little faster. So we're seeing, you know, the the sunset of Google Hangouts a little quicker than we maybe would have um, by having Google Meet available to everybody. And that's uh, because of your feedback. Um, and Avid, in the comments, I forgot about this, we were testing this out. If you create a Meet from your personal account, you cannot join from your domain for your school. So if a parent starts a Meet, you won't be able to join unless you join from your personal account. Now, I'd be uh, curious, is that, is that global or is that in your admin settings? Could I in, go into my admin console and say I'm allowed to join meets from other places? And I think Abbott's been on the call is what his second comment says. And he says right now there's nothing that appears in the admin console. Mm -hmm. But hopefully that does because I could see that barrier with parents really quick. Here I sent you the link and then the oh, teacher my. can't join. Um, so just be aware of that. You can add the parents, I think, on the education sure, yeah. side, but you yeah. can't go the other way right now, which I'm sure they're going to fix. Um, but just know that you can't do that. Also, that it's not recorded under your personal domain. So um, with the Google Meet Enterprise, that's only for education. So if you're trying to do this with family or other parents trying to do this, they will not be able to record. Yeah, the recording feature. Um, and that's what is so nice that we have that for now. And that's the big worry is when they turn off the free access to the enterprise version of Meet whenever that happens, um, uh, which I believe September, like you said, is, is what we've all been hearing. Um, that's probably one of the it's definitely one of the biggest features that is going to be a serious loss. But so, really, yeah. what, what we're going to miss is uh, the non-enterprise version of Meet for Educations is limited to only 100, which is a lot of people, and we can't record. That's basically the big difference. That's the big difference. But that recording, yeah, the recording is a killer because what a convenient, yeah. what a convenient way. I mean, there's a lot of screen recording tools out there, Screencastify, uh, Screencast-O-Matic, Loom, um, or I use like a commercial product like Camtasia, or I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of options out there, but that's one where 
if there's anything we can do, like Stephanie said, about providing feedback to Google, that's- I can that's, also imagine that part of the issue is they have to store all this video. And it's, yeah. it, it's like, the last time they told us, it was something like billions to be minutes of video. So, yeah. Yeah, but they got YouTube that does that. And I know it's not exactly the same, but Google owns YouTube. And it's like, eh, it's just, it's just date. Yeah, I, boy, that's one that I really, out of anything, I would say, I hope we can encourage Google to reconsider that, having the recording being something that is uh, still available. If nothing else, for, how about just EDU accounts? You know, just, you know, I understand maybe keeping it enterprise for, for businesses, but for education accounts, you know, having that be a feature that stays available because um, it's a fantastic way to be able to record instructional content uh, very easily. So Yeah, and in the chat, someone was asking about recording. I mean, do you know that everybody can record it and can they stop it? Do you think it's possible to disable this? And I believe only the person that starts the meet can record it. So the way that works, there's a couple of things. One is there is a setting in your admin console as to whether or not people are allowed to record meets. And so um, one of the videos I did on Google Meet was how administrators need to go in and make some adjustments for students. And that was one of the adjustments to say that, you know, students, if somebody, if a school is trying to tighten that down, in the admin console, you can say students cannot start their own meets and they cannot record meets. Um, but if somebody does have the ability to record a meet, um, this is the experience I've had. If somebody has seen something different, let me know. But it works a little differently than I thought. So one of my colleagues, she had created the Google Meet. She had made a Google Calendar event and she created the Google Meet. It was for a committee meeting with, you know, dozens of people. And so we all join, we all get in the meet. She's the one who created it. We all join and we all get in. And um, she wasn't sure about the recording, you know, exactly how that worked. And I said, well, here, I think I can record it. So I went in, I did not create the meet, she did. I went down and I clicked the little three dots button. I said, record, and it started recording. I'm like, oh, hey, don't worry, I, I, I got it, I got it recorded. So I thought when the meeting was over, I'd have to go to my drive, find the video, and then send her the link, like normal, because I've, I've recorded my own meets. Well, when the meeting was over, I went to my drive, it wasn't there. And it didn't show up and didn't show up. And I'm like, what happened? It showed up in her drive. Even though I hit the record button, the recorded video, because she's the one who created the Meet, it still showed up in her Google Meet folder in Google Drive. You know, so I've had the same issue, but it happens. It, it, it's Meets that are created by Classroom. And if a, you'd think that the teacher that presses the record button would be the one that gets the recording, but it happens that if any other teacher is in the class at the same time, we have teachers or support teachers Sometimes the team that got there first, not the one that started the recording, is the one that gets the right to the recording, and it's a hassle. Ah, uh, so in classroom, that must provide a little bit more flexibility, like with co-teachers. Would yeah. that be the idea? Okay. All but right. So the pain in the neck because you'd expect that if you press the button, you'd get the recording. Yeah. So I think there's probably still a little bit of uh, poking a stick at it to figure out how that totally works. Like I said, in this case, it was a 
calendar generated meet that my colleague had created. I pressed the button, but she got the recording because she's the one who set up the calendar event. Uh, sounds like classroom generated meets might be a little different though. Hmm. And just a reminder, check with your district before you start recording or do record. Every district has a different policy. Um, for ours, we're allowed to as long as the student name's not showing up. So GridView, that extension allows you to hide the student names. Right. But of course, this may all be a moot point because we may lose the recording ability. Yeah. <laughs> so it may not matter at all. Unless you buy Enterprise. <laughs> uh, I still know anybody. I'm sure there's many schools who have. I do not we personally. Do. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You're, you're the first school that I personally know who yeah. does that. I'll have to chat with you sometime about how that's gone for you. That's uh, good to know. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, if there's any more questions on any of these things, uh, certainly let us know. The chat is exploding uh, on the side here. So we'll probably have to take a peek over there and see if there's some uh, nuggets we need to pull into the conversation. But uh, uh, we'll keep on going for the uh, sake of time here to make sure we hit a few because we've got some more updates here. <laughs> so we'll do our best. Uh, the next one here, uh, Chrome is adding a new feature for your tabs, which is for uh, tab creation of groups. Um, so this is something that is not I have not seen this yet. Um, they're saying it's available in Chrome beta. And like I said, there are three main versions of Chrome, Canary, beta, and stable. And so the, usually there's a six week gap in between those releases. So if it's in beta right now, sometime within the next month to six weeks, we should see it. The idea behind this is that um, you can, you'll be able to go into a tab and right click on it and you'll be able to say, I want to add this tab to a group and you can either create a new group or you can choose a group that already exists. After you do that, what it's going to do then is it's going to group those tabs together and it color codes them as you can see there so that uh, those two or three or four tabs all kind of stick together inside of that group. So in this case, they've got a group for work and a group for friends, you know, and that's you know, that, that example they have there. Now, that was the first thing that came out about this was the ability to create the grouping. So that was pretty cool already to begin with. Um, just a little bit further down in here, um, and I don't have this one bolded, I'll just tie it into this one, is they're now also saying the tab grouping feature will include collapsing as well. So after you have created the tab groups, you'll also be able to um, click on the, the, the name of the group and you'll be able to collapse all the tabs together, click it again and expand all the tabs back out. So it'll also allow for saving of space as you group your tabs together by whatever project you might be working on. So uh, I know there's a lot of extensions that do stuff kind of like this. There, I have a lot of you know, colleagues and friends who just live by these different tab extensions. Um, this might make some of those not as necessary, um, but uh, just heads up if I, this helps you. I yeah. run, I'm, I'm running, a, my Chromebook is running on the beta for the next one. And I have this feature, I've had this feature for almost a month now. And I both love it and hate it at the same time. Because I'm one of those people that never, never closes a tab. And now that I group them, I don't close them either. So it's worse. So now my tab habit has gotten that much more memory expensive. And it's horrible. 
but then and then I just one day I'll just go crazy and just kill the whole group and then be done with it because I'm never gonna see it. So those of us who are tab hoarders, this is this is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> gives yeah, a whole new I, gives a whole I'm new excited. meeting to put it on my tab, right? Yeah, you know? I'm excited because you know how totally. I am with tabs. I can't have a whole lot. And so now I'm like, oh, this could replace Toby that extension and put tabs nice and neat across my board, maybe. And it had colors. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So, so head, heads up on that. Um, all right, so what's Google, up next here? So Google Earth is kind of launching and revamping some awesome features. Yeah. So let's well, go ahead and well, take a look. I'll actually launch Earth and we can see it live yeah. there. But if you need to, if anybody needs to see the um, article as well, um, it's this just article taking kind it. of what they have and kind of creating different layers to help um, organize some of that information that they have in Google Earth. I feel like Google Earth is an amazing tool that I don't utilize as much as I should. So yeah. if you go ahead and search um, San Francisco, you can now see that they have places, they've got guided tours, um, all on that sidebar. Yeah. So, right. So it's basically when you used to hit the search button, it was just a search box, right? Mm -hmm. And now it's all of this other stuff that they're coming up with here. I see. So if I put in New York, I get places from New York but I also get guided tours like the Voyager tours that have New York in them somewhere. This is cool though. These data layers like historical mm -hmm. maps and stuff. And I feel like those weren't being used as much, but I feel like with this new organization system, people might go, Oh, let's click it and look at, you know, the different time of when New York oh, looked like in. Oh, I see. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Things that were maybe getting lost in the shuffle. Now, when you run a search, it's going to be suggesting tours and data layers and places. Very nice. Hopefully that'll help people take more advantage. Of and then going back to that tabs, we have a question in the chat from Brian. Will you be able to set the tab groups to open by default when you open Chrome? Um, well, from it's... my experience, as long as you don't close them, if you, if you, as long as you don't close them before you end the Chrome session, they'll open right back up. All right. And then John just has a, a reminder in there. Tabs do slow down your oh, device. Here it is. So just a reminder, you might want to close um, those things. And just like regular tabs, your groups are saved when you close and reopen Chrome. I thought so, yeah. I read that in the article when I first read that earlier this month, but I couldn't remember for sure. All right. Uh, next up, we have uh, Chrome updates that are coming that include new organization for extensions and security settings. Mm -hmm. I don't think the security settings is going to be a big difference for most folks. Um, they may, maybe won't even notice it. It's the extensions part that I think is going to really catch some people by surprise here. So what 
is happening with Chrome are some updates to um, some settings. And this at first seems like when I first read it, like, ah, oh, it's, you know, it's perfectly, you know, good, you know, let's make this a little bit more organized, like for, you know, for all of the uh, security settings. If you go into your, your security settings, they're just moving some things around, like the ability to go in and, you know, delete cookies or empty your trash. It was so buried down, but people use it. People want it all the time. So like they're moving that to the top area of the security settings and, and all that. So all of that seemed kind of fine. The thing that really caught my attention here was extensions. And so it's going to turn out that by default, all of your extensions are going to disappear from the top right-hand corner. And they're just going to show up in the little, a little puzzle piece icon instead. And if you click the puzzle piece icon, then you can see all your extensions. Having said that, there's a little pin button. If you say, I want to see this extension on my toolbar because I use it so often, I don't want to click the puzzle piece and then the extension, you can pin things. But what's going to happen is if you're used to seeing a dozen extensions across there, you may panic when this update rolls out to Chrome and you're like, where'd all my extensions go? You know, and so... I guess, you know, trying to keep it more organized, but I could see some confusion could come from that if that's not something that you're, you know, as familiar with. Having said that, I do like the little three dots button that appears next to each one of these to make it a little bit easier for people to know how to, for example, remove an extension. Because normally I say, oh, you got to right click on it. Not everybody has a computer that supports right clicking or a mouse that supports right clicking. And so now you could just say, oh, just click the puzzle piece go to the three dots button for any extension if you need to remove it. You know, that might be a little bit clearer directions than what we've had in the past. I currently use um, the extension, what is it? Extension manager, AKA mm -hmm. Stitcher. So I yeah. feel like that's gonna replace that. Well, but see the thing that extension manager does though, is I like the ability for it to quickly, well, I mean, it really quickly disables things. I wonder how many clicks that would be. Um, let me go back into the picture of that again. Um, I know that lets us remove the extension. No, I just went past it. There it is. Let's see. Um, okay, so the only thing in here is to, re to remove the extension. Um, yeah. What I love about Extensions Manager is instead of uninstalling, that's the trash can, I can just use the the, you know, the checkbox to turn it on and turn it off. That is so convenient to mm -hmm. enable and disable it without uninstall, without, you know, removing it. So, um, so I don't really see that without going, you have to go, you'd have to go all the way into the options oh, then yeah, to, to disable clicks. it. That's too many clicks, but just heads up. It's going to freak some people out and <laughs> all their <laughs> extensions disappear. Yeah. So, um, so last month we talked about the Google Meet is now available in Gmail. So a lot, hopefully a lot of you got that rollout and some of you might hate it or you might love it. And now you have the ability to turn it on or off. So if you do not like having it on your dashboard, you can turn it on and off. Same with chat. You can turn that on and off and it's right there in settings. So if you're be if you're using Google Classroom to share your Meet link, you might want to just hide it. Again, it opens in a whole another browser yeah. instead of another tab, which I don't personally like because I like to have GridView and all those other extensions on. So I might be turning this off. But just know now you have the option to do either or. Excellent.
Very, very good. Uh, let's see, next up, um, accessibility. Hey, you was talking about accessibility earlier. Uh, Google has a blog post where they mentioned some accessibility updates. Um, I'll touch on these real quick. One of them is um, a app called Action Blocks, which is a feature in Android that allows you to basically create a macro or a macro, however you want to say it, where you can record a bunch of steps you would take and then save them to this one uh, tile and say, okay, if I click this one tile, I want you to do these five things. I want you to open this and click this and launch that. And the idea would be if there's these repetitive tasks that take a number of clicks to get to the exact right spot, with one simple click, you can call somebody and have it do that you know, automatically. And these are added to the um, home screen of your phone. So for accessibility, a nice way to, <clears throat> to automate some of these tasks with a single click. So that was neat. Um, the other one <clears throat> was talking about um, live transcribe, which um, I know we've talked about uh, live um, captioning. The live transcribe is the one that listens to people talking around you. So it uses the, the, the microphone. And what it will do is give you a, a running uh, closed captioning of whatever conversations are happening around you. Well, they've added a few little tweaks to it. And one that I thought was interesting is you can now set it to vibrate when somebody says your name <laughs> because of, you know, social distancing and so forth. Maybe, you know, somebody's a distance away from you. Uh, if your name is spoken, Live transcribe can be listening all the time and will uh, and will vibrate and let you know somebody is trying to speak to you. So I thought that was kind of cool uh, to have that. Um, and then they also mentioned one that is not new, but uh, just mentioning they've done some uh, additional improvements to it. And that is the sound amplifier um, app that if you're using earbuds, it can really help to amplify sounds around you as well as cut out noises and do some some noise reduction and um, they've done some improvements to that to um, boost the audio from uh, any media playing that on your device so rather than just boosting the audio that comes through the microphone you can also use this to help boost the audio from media on your device so just more accessibility updates happy to pass those along all right what do we have here next the next one kind of reminds me um, using the Mac, you have the people and you can switch your profiles. So Chrome, Google Chrome is going to kind of add a profile picker. So then you can quickly go in and out of the different accounts without having to like re-sign in. So again, just trying to make it quicker and easier for you to sign in and out on Chrome and I think not get lost in those different profiles. And oh, I'm in this account, but it's still got this image and I can't access that document. You know, I'm sure people are struggling with this now more than ever because working from home, they're probably on a personal device that already has a Gmail account and now they've added their work account. And to some degree, I don't want to say I blame Google, but they always try to make it like, here's all these options. You can manage your accounts in so many different ways. And I think a lot of times what people end up doing is they'll go to their little avatar button and they'll say they want to add another account. And I don't recommend that option. Um, 
I find that that's where that confusion comes in. You're like, wait, I went to click this link and it said I don't have permission. Why don't I have permission? Oh, because it thinks you're in your personal account rather than your work account. If you use this, this lower avatar button here and you say, I want to add an account, it's basically adding a second account to the same Chrome profile. Like you have two accounts inside of one profile. But if you click the little avatar button at the very top, that's where you get into the profile manager where you can have all of these different profiles that are completely separate. And that's what I do for all every school and all the demo accounts and all those things. I have them all in their own profile so that they have their own unique bookmarks, their own unique passwords, their own unique history. So anything I'm doing on my personal account never shows up on my work account. Everything stays totally separate. Extensions are unique to each profile. Basically what we're looking at here is something that people may think is annoying because what says when you launch Chrome, instead of just opening up Chrome right now, if you just click the Chrome icon, it goes to the most recent profile you used. What they're saying is now, when you click Chrome, it'll open up and say, hey, you have more than one profile, which one do you want to use? And um, for people that don't even use you know, profiles, maybe this will help them start to realize, oh, this is a different way to manage my accounts. Ah, oh, I can add another person here. So we'll see if this helps expand people's understanding of that. I think it's a cleaner way to manage multiple accounts by putting each one in its own profile. Um, Abbott in the chat wants to know how many accounts you have. Oh, geez. This is, this <laughs> is no, this is nowhere close. This is nowhere close with that list in those profiles there. I've weeded out so many. I mean, I've, I have over a hundred accounts easily. I mean, you know, just, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> so, talking about having a problem with tabs. I've got a problem with accounts. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, next up. Um, oh, so with shared drives, one thing that we have not been able to do up to this point, uh, which seems weird, is we're, we have not been able to micromanage the folders inside of the shared drives. So you can create a shared drive, which used to be team drives, if you, know, if, if you don't. If you're not used to the new term, I mean, we're, I'm going to probably call them team drives forever, but shared drives, what used to be team drives, um, they've got a lot of wonderful permissions, but you couldn't then granularly, granularly apply those to folders within them. If you created a folder, well, the folder was the same as the shared drive. Well, what we're saying now is they are, they are extending the sharing settings down to folder level inside of drives. So I could have a shared drive with everybody in it, and then I could start making subfolders in there and start making changes to those subfolders to tweak it. Now, what's important to understand here is you cannot reduce permission. You can only match or expand permission. What I mean is you couldn't say, hey, everybody has access to this you know, team drive but then I'm going to put a super secret folder inside of it that only special people get to see it. Um, so you can't take away access. You can't say, you guys can all view this, but only a few people can view it here. I've removed your privilege. It's the other way. Everybody can view this. And here's a subfolder that everybody can view, but I've given this one person 
edit rights to it. I've increased their permissions. They can do more in this folder than the other. Or I've added a guest, you know, from outside to this. I've, you know, I've, I've expanded this so that somebody from, you know, a different organization or a personal account now has access. Um, so that's something that Google has stressed that, you know, they don't want there to be any, you know, non-transparency. They don't want you to be inside of a team drive and not be aware that there's data there that you don't have access to. It doesn't mean you should be able to edit stuff, but if you've got view rights at the top level, you've got view rights all the way down through. But uh, should allow for a little more granularity though. I mean, to be able to say, hey, because right now, if you want to do a team drive, that has portions that are viewable and portions that are editable, you can't. You got to do two different team drives, two different shared drives. Well, now you could give everybody view rights at this level and then just have some edit folders, you know, that are downstream from there, which I think is going to be a lot more useful for folks that are trying to build a more robust team drive. Yeah, I think that will be a lot more helpful to have that in team drive because I've been avoiding it just because of all the issues. Yeah. Um, Sarah wants to just know in the chat, do you know all the passwords for all of those accounts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our next one is new Google groups, which I'm really excited about. So if we click the new Google group, we'll see an image of the old Google groups and the new one that's coming if you don't already have it. So the classic groups is kind of dull. I think it takes multiple clicks just to add members to your groups to get things organized in there where the new Google groups, it's less clicks. And I think on the old Google groups, you can only add like 10 people at a time. Where the new Google groups, I think you can add more people at a time, at least that's what I've experienced. I kind of broke the new Google groups with um, Global GEG <laughs> because I think you can't add more than a hundred within a day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think was the issue there. So just know that the new groups is coming. It's a lot more cleaner. It's got a better look to it. Less clicks to add members, to change people's roles if you needed to make someone a manager or an owner of the group, you can do that really quickly and easily. And I have not looked at the new groups yet. Um, I, I need to do that. Um, but yes, everything you've said there, that is what I've heard as well. A cleaner interface, a few less tools. And they do have a section here where they do mention some of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, have uh, have not been rolled into the new Google groups. Um, and um, a lot of it is stuff that just didn't get used much. It's just features like, wow, nobody ever really seemed to use that, you know? And so at the moment, not every feature from the old groups, but when I looked through the list, it was nothing that I've ever used. It's like, oh yeah, that's fine. I don't, I don't use that. Might as well clean that up so it's less uh, cumbersome to get through. Yeah, I'm in currently in love with the new Google groups because... Good you can add a Google group to a calendar invite and it doesn't reach that 200 limit. So you can have more people invited to an event if you use Google groups rather than going the opposite. Oh yeah. Direction. Yeah. Groups so. is wonderful for that. Yeah. A group counts as one email. You can have a thousand people in the group. You can invite you can share a document with all of them. You can, you know, do a calendar invite. Yeah, and it doesn't, because same thing's true with docs. You can only have 200 unique email addresses shared 
for like a Google Doc or a slideshow or whatever, and then it won't let you share it anymore. You can always share it as a link, but you can't explicitly name more than 200 addresses. So a group takes care of that with one email address. Yeah. All right. Um, the last one I'm going to mention um, before Stephanie wraps us up is um, with this section um, is a new quick settings to help optimize your Gmail layout. Um, so this nothing, there are no features. There are no new features here. That is not what this is about. We're not looking at new features. What we're looking at is easier, excuse me, <coughs> easier access to features we already have. So it turns out with your Gmail inbox, there's a lot of different layouts. See, like I use tabbed layout for mine. That's what I like. I like the tabs across the top, but other people like priority inbox or unread first, or they want you know a reading pane so it feels more like Outlook. Um, all of that you can get to right now. If you just go to your little gear in Gmail and go to settings, you can drill in deep enough and you can find all of those settings. Well, what they're saying is you're not going to have to drill in anymore. If, you in, if you're in Gmail and once this rolls out and you click the gear, sure, you can go to all settings. But what's going to happen is you're going to get this little scrollable panel that includes the density, the inbox type, the theme. Is there a reading pane? You can do it all right from there rather than having to dig deep into the settings and maybe, you know, get lost in the settings and click on something you didn't mean to or be overwhelmed by all the options that are in there. So that's nice. I could see that being helpful. Again, just letting people be aware of things they've always had, but just never maybe realized, oh, I could do that. I didn't even know that was a feature there. Yeah. And then real quick before Luis goes, um, what is beta? And so we have that question in the chat. Um, they've heard it mentioned a couple other places and instances, but- We're talking about, just, talking about Chrome beta? Yeah, if you could just go over yeah. that again real so, quick. <clears throat> so the Chrome browser, you can run your Chrome browser in one of three different channels. Um, if I go into the settings for my browser, oh, uh, I don't, I have, I have not changed mine. So mine is not, mine is on the basic or on the stable one. I think it's probably, I don't know. I wonder if I can find it in, no. Anybody know where it's at in the settings? Um, I'm not finding it in the settings. Somebody who knows how to make the change, give us a quick holler. I'll explain what it's about. I have not made the change on mine. There are three versions of Chrome at any one time. I am running what is, let me go to the about and I'll tell you what version I'm on here. Where's about Chrome? There it is about no, Chrome. No, no. Okay, so I am on um, 83, version 83. Um, and that is the stable version of Chrome. That means this is the current, most recent version that's been tested and, and everybody you know, has approved and said, yep, it's good to go. Well, Google has to try things out though. If they want to do a new feature, they don't want to just dump it on you know, the untold millions that are using Chrome. So they have another version of Chrome called Beta and another version called Canary. And when a new feature comes out, it starts in Canary and it'll be in there for six weeks typically. And then it'll move into beta and it'll be in there for six weeks. And then it'll move into stable after that. So like right now, uh, stable is version 83. Beta is version 84. Canary is version 85. And that's where those get tested. Well, what they ask is for people who are willing to try out the newer version of Chrome, you can run Chrome in beta 
the beta version instead, or you can run it in the Canary version. And they're hoping some people will do that because then if a new feature comes out and it doesn't really work well, people will holler and scream and let them know. And they're like, ooh, we need to adjust that some more. Or if it goes smoothly, they know, good, we can keep, keep moving forward with this. I don't run any of those because most of the time I'm doing, you know, training videos or things like that. And, you know, I'm trying to show how things currently look right now. Um, so I do apologize. I'm totally blanking out on how to make the switch into beta channel or canary channel. Um, so if anybody, um, does know that and wants to throw that in the chat or something, uh, that would be great. But at the moment, I do not recall how <laughs> to make that change. I did it a long time ago. I, I used to run beta, but it's been so long ago, I don't remember how I did that. And the reason Canary is called Canary, and it's because of the old Canary in the coal mine thing, that the idea was if you were down in the coal mines and there was a lack of oxygen or something that was poisonous in the air, mostly a lack of oxygen. Canaries were more sensitive than humans. And so if a canary died, um, then you're like, oh my gosh, the canary died. We got to get out of here. There's a poisonous gas or the oxygen levels dropping. And so canaries were taken down into coal mines as a way to indicate that. So that's the idea. The canary build of Chrome is the really experimental one. <laughs> that's like, yeah, we're going down into the mines with this one. We cannot guarantee anything is going to work. <laughs> So, um, okay, so Avid said you need to download Canary from the Chrome website. Okay, good to know. So it's something you have to intentionally go out to the Chrome uh, website and download. All right, thanks. All right, what's our last thing here, Stephanie, about Google Chat? So Google Chat is getting a new look too. It kind of reminds me a little bit about Slack, a little. Um, but they now have like new rooms that you can add and you can talk to people just like you do with chat. Um, what's interesting is on here is you can like start threads kind of, and then you can share documents and get updates on like, oh, this person made an update. There's also bots that I haven't played with yet because um, in my domain, they're not turned on. Yeah. But there's bots that can like add a calendar invite, find when you guys are scheduled. So I think if those could get really rolling, it might help cut down on some of that time. Um, so like this one, it has the chat bot and it has the drive bot. So you can get updates when people change different things in your documents. Yeah. And if folks aren't familiar with this version of chat, you may still be using the, there's two at the moment. We still have both versions of chat available. So um, this is the, um, new Google chat. Um, there's also what we used to call hangouts chat and, uh, my domain has both active. So you can use either one. Um, they're eventually going to retire the old hangouts chat and everybody will be using the new chat. Um, it's been available for about a year, but, uh, not everybody has, you know, embraced it yet because it's not been required. Um, but this is a, again, a, a, a facelift to that. Um, uh, the, um, the technical details of it is this is what they call a progressive web app, um, which uh, again is not something I have experience with enough to say why that makes it better. Uh, but it is a, it, it is a more efficient, simple uh, way to launch the chat app than how it's been done in the past. So um, heads up on that. And uh, Abbott says you also need to download Chrome beta. All right, so that's good. So I'm guessing you're saying if I go to like chrome.com or something, is that where I would go? 
So here's the regular download Chrome. I'm assuming you're saying that somewhere here, there'd be an option to download a different version. <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, yeah. I think too, on the one that had the tabs and the groupings of the different tabs, there was an option when you click that link in that resource, it will take you to the page. I don't know which page it was. Search Google. I have it said to Chrome. search. Ah, so it's actually google.com slash chrome slash beta. So just google.com slash chrome is the normal site slash beta lets you download beta. And then I imagine Canary would be similar. All right. Oh, heavens. Okay, well, we have, we have got to uh, get moving into our uh, show and tell uh, because uh, Louise is here with us today and we will come back to Q&A. We've uh, decided since the last meeting to move that to the end of the meetings because Q&A is always a little bit more flexible. And so um, we're going to move into our show and tell section, which is where we get to share cool, neat things we've come across. I've got some things, Stephanie has some things, but we're going to start with, with Louise because he is our guest. And I want to give him a chance to uh, share anything that, that he would like to, to share. And then um, when, when he is, is done, uh, Stephanie and I will mention a couple of things that have caught our attention. And with whatever time we have left, we'll take a look at the Q&A. But uh, Louise, let me turn it over to you. And if you just want to chat, that's fine. If you want me to um, stop screen sharing and give screen sharing over to you, you just, you just let me know if, if you prefer that. Sure. I will prefer that if you can, please. I will. But, I'm going to stop screen sharing right now. Okay. So um, what I'd like to talk to you about, well, first, let me, let me say hi. My name is Luis Pertuz. I am a technology integrator in um, the Marymount School in Barranquilla, Colombia, which is in South America, just in case. We do get confused with Columbia, South Carolina for some reason. Um, <laughs> I still can't screen share it, though. Sorry. You can't? Nope. I ended my screen share. Yeah, but it tells me host disabled participant screen sharing. <gasps> I didn't. I swear I didn't. Um, well, I'm so sorry. I'm going to worry. fix that right now. I'm fixing it right now. All right. It is fixed. Okay. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for letting okay, me know. So, sure. In a perfect world, uh, let's see. So, okay. So, I want to talk to you guys about. One of my preferred uh, gems in the Google Suite arsenal, which is something that people generally ignore, and that is Google Keep. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know what Google Keep is, uh, here's a sample of one of my several versions of Google Keep. I have the one, this is my school one. So all this stuff is nothing terribly important that I don't mind you guys seeing. Like the passwords, like right now I have a lot of crap right here just so people don't really <laughs> actually see my passwords. So. Um, Google Keep is basically a note-taking app, but it's so much more than note-taking app. You can take notes, you can take pictures, you can do voice recordings, you can do a whole lot of things. You can, if you have the app on your, on your phone or on your uh, tablet device, you can also do, do drawings, which is very powerful. You can do lots of different things that are in what you would consider a decent civilized note-taking app. But the best part about Google Keep is that it's hidden away amongst everything in the Google Suite library. So if you, like for example, right now, if we go to Google Docs, and this is the agenda, look at here, right here, on the right-hand side of the screen, look at, there's Google Keep. 
And anything you have in Google Keep, and I'm not going to do it here because uh, you guys are going to kill me, but you could actually literally get, grab anything from here and drag it into the document, and it will be copied into the document, which is super nice. Let's open a new document just so I can show you. If you didn't know, there's also the whole docs.new thing, which you can make documents without having to go and file, create a new document. And then, um, of course, it takes a whole bunch of time to load when you're trying to demo. But then, let's go back. In Gmail, you have your Gmail, you have all the email you're, you're talking about, and look in here, you have Google Keep. And what if I open this, I'm talking to Joel about feature set evaluation and, and, and I need to write down a note about something that Joel said. And then in here, Google Keep, if I start a new note, it'll automatically link the note to the email. So if, uh, so if I have this note over here about looking into this, then the note is linked to the email. So if I go back out of it and I click on the email, it'll take me back to the email and show me the email that I use during the note-taking process, which is awesome, and it helps keep disorganized people like me a little less disorganized. So if we go back to the document, which of course has not finished loading. Okay, there you go. If we go back to the document and we open keep, you can see that when keep loads, oh, you can you can drag one of the keep one of the keep uh, notes into your document and it'll automatically transcribe everything and put it in your document when it decides to cooperate. There you go. So everything that was in the note is now on my doc. So it's really cool if you're wandering around and you have your phone and like I have my phone. So I'll let you guys see my phone. This is a screen mirroring app and my phone is right here. So if I open my phone and it starts behaving, which for the course, it isn't. Oh God, let me let me redo. Let me redo the screen sharing app, which is for some reason dying on me, because of course it dies on you when you're trying to demo. <laughs> Louise, while you're trying to get that to work, I love how you shared your passwords with us. They're very they're long. Not- I mean, that's an awful lot to type <laughs> in. But yeah, talk about a secure passphrase! Wow. Okay, so here is my screen, finally, if the thing behaves. Now, uh-huh, is it a Zoom thing and it won't let me screen mirror? Well, it doesn't work as nice as I can't show you. Mm. Well, okay, so I'm gonna do it on my phone on the side and just ignore the screen mirroring. And then just, you guys will have to trust me. So <laughs> we will. If if I'm on my phone and I write a note, the notes will automatically appear in the in in my new list. So here you go. This is the the, the note that I created in in email. And then if I create a new note, let's start a new one over here. This let's start a note, and I'm going to uh, write anything, anything, and I'll just save it. And then uh, in with in a few seconds, which is as long as it takes to synchronize, then the new anything note should appear. Of course, it's not gonna appear because technology is against me today. It should appear right there 
among all the no, not here. These are the pink ones, and of course it's not working. Jesus, it's not. This is this is not a good day to do demos. Well, while it appears, the other thing it can do is if you do voice recording. So let me try and do a voice recording while this is behaving. So this is a voice recording, and trust me that I'm recording. Hey, look, it popped up. So um, I already did a voice recording, and then. Uh, okay, so there you go. That, this over here is the voice recording that I was making while I was talking to you guys because it wasn't behaving. And not only does it transcribe what I wrote, but also you have the voice recording in it. So if I press play, And you could see that not only did it record, it also transcribed and transcribed reasonably well, which is amazing. Um, and you can also download, did, could you listen to the audio when I streamed it? I, I wasn't able to hear it. Um, so it well, may be again a Zoom setting. It may not be taking okay. system audio. It may not you be sending system, system audio. are gonna have to trust me that it was sending the audio. And I can download the audio into my drive and do whatever I want with it. But it's awesome. Also, uh, for example, I have a old uh, math book from one of my kids when he was in first grade. And then I'm gonna use Google Keep to take a picture of his math book. And again, you're gonna have to trust me that I'm doing this right now on the fly and not taking enough cheating. And then let's see, this is a picture of I should have done it like in like in like in the movies when you have okay. I should have done it like in the movies with a copy with with me holding the book so that you guys know that it's today. <laughs> and then <clears throat> and then the math book picture. See, there it is. So this is a picture I just took of my kid's former math book, and you can see it's a very decent picture because it was taken with a decent camera. And then over here in the three dots. It has a grab image text, which is the awesomest feature ever. So you go like that and look, all the text that was in the, in the, in the page has been automatically transcribed, not very well sometimes, but it was transcribed. And you can actually basically copy paste off of a book into your documents, which is like the most awesome thing. Um, something else that I can't show right now because the phone mirroring thing won't work, but trust me, you can, you can do reminders. So for example, if I start a grocery list, I can do a grocery list here. So let's say I need eggs and milk and uh, what else? Eggs, milk, let's do some charcoal because I like to do some grilling and then I need beef to grill and then let's go for hamburger buns and all those good things. And then when I have my beautiful shopping list, I can share the shopping list with my wife. So we can both have the same shopping list on our respective Google Keep instances. And as each one of us checks off one of the items, the item will be eliminated from the shopping list of the other person. So we can like take turns or, you know, you go this way, I'll go that way. And everybody goes and gets a little piece of the, of the, of the shopping list, which is also very good. And there is reminders. 
And you'll see that there's normal reminders. So remind me later today, remind me tomorrow, remind me next week, remind me whenever. Or this one, which is excellent for the phone, is remind me at a certain place. So if I click here, I can choose a grocery store next to me. So I have, uh, there's this grocery store that is right next to my house. Trust me, this is the supermarket that I, that's right next to my house. So if I click here and I save it, when I am out and about and I am near the super, the grocery store, it'll pop up and it'll give me a, it'll give me a warning. Hey, since you're at the grocery store, would you like to look at your grocery list? Which I think is like the best thing ever. Um, what else can I say about this beautiful app? There's also drawings. So you can take notes, you can, you can draw here. So I have my, so I have, I can, I can do, hey, and my handwriting even looks decent when I do this. And then I can, I can save that as a note. I can share it with people. I can put it into drives. I can ask people to sign here and then put it into, into a Google Doc. I mean, people really, really don't take up enough advantage out of, out of Google Keep. It is one of the handiest tools I've used. And the, and the fact that it's pervasive and it's in every other Google, uh, it's, it's in every other Google product. So here it's in Gmail, it's in Calendar which Steph adores, especially when we have to do things with different time zones. She really does that. Google Keep is everywhere and everywhere you access it, it really feeds into like a very, very useful tool, tool or toy, depends on whatever you're calling. But that's it, that's what I wanted to share. I just want to have people know that this is out there. It's like one of the better tools that people really, really genuinely ignore. And I think it's, an excellent tool that people can use. Well, that is fantastic. And I agree with everything you have said there. Um, I use Keep uh, probably, I would say, not. I do not make as much use of it as you do. You, you, you definitely seem to be a, uh, a keep wizard. Uh, but many of the things you've mentioned, I, I have done those same things. And for me, uh, it's just that, easy place to keep things you know if inspiration strikes and i want to jot a note down if i see something I want to take a picture of it you know if i come across a neat recipe and i want to save it i mean i just throw it in keep and yeah, then can always have, access it later i have i have we have like my 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 high school class we were a small class we were only 31 people and after 20 or so years of having graduated, now it's that we're becoming friends because before we didn't really get along. But now, as we've grown and aged and have children and all that, we've been getting friendlier. And we have a group chat where, where, where we start discussing stuff and then it's become like a cooking group and we share recipes. Mm -hmm. And I have most of my recipes up on Keep anyway. So I just like copy paste stuff from Keep into the, into the chat or copy paste from, from the chat into the Keep. And it's awesome. And it helps me. I am pretty messy when with my stuff, but keep helps me be less messy. Yeah, I would say um, the one thing I have done a bit with it um, before we got um, before classroom added comments um, was I used to talk a lot about using Google Keep 
for your um, comments that you might want to leave. Um, there it is. I knew I could find it if I dug <laughs> far enough here. Uh, so using Google Keep for grading comments and docs, the idea that you basically could use Google Keep to create a, a, a checklist of your most commonly used um, comments that you want to provide for feedback to students. And then, like you said, when you're in side of Google Docs, you can just click the little, you know, keep button on the side to open up your list of all your keep notes. And you can even run a search inside of it to find all the notes that deal with verbs or, or whatever. And then you can simply copy and paste that in to add it as a comment for students. You say, well, Eric, Google Classroom does that now. And you are correct. It absolutely does that. So if you're using Classroom, uh, you can use the built-in comment feature for that. You can do a comment bank. I, I would totally recommend that. The one difference is what you mentioned, which is the collaboration. If I create a list of commonly used comments. It doesn't have to be just my list. I can click the add collaborator and I could share that with everybody in my grade level or my department. And we could have a collaborative list of comments that aren't just generic comments, but have, you know, maybe good links that go along with them to help students to get more information. And um, I would hope maybe we'll see that eventually come to classroom that we can make our comment makes collaborative. But until then, if you would benefit from a collaborative set of comments, Keep is definitely a good way to, to do that. Um, just a few comments in the chat, Luis. Is there a text limit with Keep? I haven't found it, but then I haven't been that verbose. Uh, I've tried. I've, I've copied and pasted like whole pages out of books, okay. but I haven't really gone all out and tried going crazy on it. So I don't really know. And then another question, they're just asking, how is the search? I think it's really good. Search is awesome. Yeah. And you know so, what? Since, since you guys were doing a Google Lens, I was going to try to see if I, Google Lens captured my handwriting really well. I just want to know if Google Keep will also do handwriting. I'll, I'll test it while you talk. Um, then, I, oh, go ahead, go Stephanie. Oh, I was just going to say, I saw... Yeah, I saw something in the chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just saw a question in the chat. Somebody had asked. It wasn't keep related, um, but uh, go go ahead. Yeah, I was going to do the same uh, question oh. that they had. So can anybody suggest how we can attach files to Google Meet? I use Calendar. Yeah, you got um, it. I just attach all my links right in there, and then they pop up on the side when you mm -hmm. open your Google Meet. Yeah, they're going to be in the bottom left-hand corner when you go down and click um, on the, I don't know what that link is in the bottom left-hand corner, what it's called, like meeting information or something, but whatever that button is down there. Yes, any attachments, any links, if you preload them in the Google Calendar event. And if you want to do an actual attachment, it's the description box in calendar. If you click the paperclip icon in the description box in calendar, you can add actual files to the calendar event. And then those files all show up in when you click that button in the bottom left corner of Google Meet. You can then get okay. all of those. My handwriting is pretty atrocious. And Google Keep did a very reasonable job of transcribing my handwriting. So, so yeah. I'm impressed. I'm officially, <laughs> officially impressed. All right. Well, Louise, we appreciate so much you being here. Um, uh, if you want to stay connected with Louise, I do see you've included your Twitter handle there yep. in, in the um, agenda. Uh, anything else 
uh, you want to mention, plug, uh, share, uh, we're going to switch over to the show and tell that uh, Stephanie has and that I have um, and some community ones, but uh, wanted to give you a chance if there's anything else you'd like to share. Well, no, right now uh, we're all pushing Global GEG, which is, uh, I'm one of the, it's, 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 it's our baby. It's six of us and it's our baby and, we're, and, and we have lots of people who are helping and um, we're really proud of everything we're doing. The, the boot camp is coming up. We have over 500 people already uh, signed up for it. And we're really, really afraid and impressed. So, yes. <laughs> over, it's over 700. Oh, right? my gosh. Okay, so, 798. So 500 last night. 798. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that means I have to add three. Well, we just mentioned it in GEG Ohio, so you better watch out because, you know. Well, you know what they say about Ohioans. No, really, I don't know because I'm from Columbia, so I don't have any idea what they say about Ohioans. But yeah, um, um, we hope to see you there and uh, please just keep on trucking. All right. Wow. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, feel free to hang out if you need to take off, though. We just want to say how much we appreciate the things you've shared, not just in this special section, but throughout the rest of the meeting. Your contributions were very valuable. So thank you so much. All right. Um, so, Stephanie, let's uh, do just a little bit of uh, show and tell of stuff we have to share. Um, I only put in a few links this time through, so I'll make them short and sweet for you guys. Um, uh, the first one was the idea of transferring your Google um, files if you are a graduating senior and you're no longer going to have your school account, or maybe you are a retiring teacher, or maybe you got a new job and you're moving to a new school district. Um, there are uh, options and there are some really good options for transferring your Gmail and Drive. Now, this blog post I did talks about Google Takeout, but it's not the normal Google Takeout, it's Google Takeout for schools. And if you've only ever seen Google Takeout, you don't have the full picture here because there is a service that's been around forever called Google Takeout and it's valuable, but what it does is it lets you download your files and it converts them all into like other formats. <laughs> so it's like, you know, okay, all your docs become, you know, word files or things like that. You know, they all get converted. Um, and that's great that that exists. This is Google Takeout for schools. And it does have its own unique link for that, which is takeout.google.com slash transfer. And what it does, is it allows you to, you can only do this from an education account. You can transfer to anything. You can transfer to another education account. You can transfer to a personal account, but you have to be going from an education account. And basically the steps are you put in the account you want to send it to. It sends an email there. You go to that account and say, yep, I do actually own this email. This is, <laughs> this is valid. You click a button to say it's okay. And then once that's done, Back in the transfer tool, you can choose what you want to transfer, Drive or Gmail or both. Heads up, it doesn't just transfer all of your files, but it does transfer files that you have edit access to. So it will transfer more than just your personal files that has um, 
caught some people by surprise that it does also transfer things you've got edit rights to. Uh, but that's it. You go ahead and start the transfer. You can close out of that window then. It all runs in the background. When it's all done, you'll in Drive, you'll have, or in Gmail, you'll have a new label that has all of the transfer messages. And in Drive, you'll have a new folder that has all the transferred files. Things that aren't Gmail or Drive, you can use the traditional Google Takeout like calendar or things like that. You can download those um, as well. There are a few settings that administrators need to turn on. I do include that at the end here to let you know, hey, if your folks want to use this, you do have to enable this or they won't be able to uh, take advantage of it. So heads up, if you are graduating or retiring or moving to a new job, that may be helpful. Uh, the next thing in my show and tell was, uh, I think I mentioned last time I was going to be doing a Pear Deck webinar about remote learning. That has happened and that is now available. So you can watch that. It is a one hour recorded webinar and it's free. And you can just watch that through that link. Um, this is not new. This is uh, an old one, but I do update it, uh, try to update it each year if there's been any changes. And this is just end of year classroom cleanup. So it just goes through like six or so steps. There's a video if you prefer video, but it also has the written directions on ways to clean up Google Classroom. Um, these are all optional. You don't have to do any of these steps. You can pick three of the six, whatever you want. Uh, but these are things to consider when it comes to cleaning up your classroom at the end of the year. Um, and then I did want to mention, because GridView is such a popular extension, a lot of us are using it with Google Meet, there is a new version out, not an update. It, it, I mean, like a totally separate version of GridView. So, because normally when an extension updates, you just get the updates. What I mean is there's the old version that we all have been using, which has over 9 million users. Then there is a new version that is up to about 2 million users right now. My understanding is the original classic version that we all started out on is not necessarily going to be supported anymore and be getting updates. Instead, this is the one that Chris Gamble, he's the one who originally had created this to begin with, has, has kind of branched off to keep this one the one that's being updated. So if you notice, boy, GridView's acting funky, it may be that you're still using the original version and it's starting to show some errors because it's not being you know, updated. So if that's the case, you would need to go and remove the original and then install the new one. Just wanted to make sure people were aware of that. Um, and then the last thing I will mention um, just real quick is I had been doing a, a bunch of videos and I didn't put the link back in again. I, I, if I think to, I'll go back and throw that in a lot of videos on using Google meet and Google classroom and stuff. And a question that had come up with people were saying they loved like using, I did one on using like Jamboard and Chrome canvas as a whiteboard during Google meet. And folks said, that's really awesome, but I'm struggling with using my mouse to be able to write on a shared whiteboard. Maybe some folks have, you know, um, touchscreen Chromebook and they can use a stylus and others have a, uh, uh, a tablet and it's, you know, touch, uh, touchscreen, but not everybody does. Some folks are sitting at a non-touchscreen laptop or a non-touchscreen desktop. And like, ah, I'm having a hard time draw drawing with my mouse. So I did go ahead and make a purchase. I bought something called the X-Pin. Um, and um, it's just a little, um, I think this one's a six inch by four inch. I went with the introductory model. I did not put a link. I can go back and put a link into it. I got off of Amazon for like 39 bucks. It wasn't very expensive. Um, and it's just a little uh, flat writing surface that plugs in via USB to my computer. So if I open up a Jamboard here, I can use this stylus 
And um, if you see on the jam board, uh, there's a little, um, uh, a little cursor moving around on the screen. That's because I'm floating the stylus above at the moment. I'm floating it above the, um, the little writing surface. But if I come over here, I can pick the pen and I can pick a color and then I can come over here and I can start writing. Hello. And I'm just being a little sloppy there. I really should be showing you how this could look better. I'll do this nicely. 2x plus 7 equals 3. And see, I could write a whole lot nicer. But the point is, it's like 40 bucks. And it's just this little um, flat writing surface that plugs in via USB cable to the computer and has a little stylus. Um, and so I could use that when I'm doing. Um, and it, it's, how's it spelled? It's, I'm sorry, XP pen. Totally sorry. I just, I just boogered that up. It is, uh, I'll put it on here. It is XP dash pen. And I am sorry, while Stephanie's talking, I will try to find my Amazon link and put that into the agenda. Uh, I just thought of it because it's sitting next to me. I forgot to, forgot to put it in there. But I thought, oh, this would be worth mentioning, you know, if, if you're needing to do a lot of math or something and, and you're struggling with using a mouse to do that, um, you know, maybe this is an easier way to do that. So I'll play around with it a little bit more. And um, if it seems to work well, maybe I'll put out a, another, you know, video and just show how it works. So, all right. Yeah, a lot of people are asking for that link in the chat. So if you could add that to our show notes. I'll do that. Um, and then John was just asking when you were talking about Google Transfer, how much storage does a personal account have and will it be enough? Well, keep in mind, Google Files count as nothing. Okay, so you can have, you know, 10,000 Google Docs and they count as zero space. The only thing that counts is like non-Google files. So if you have PDFs or things like that. So a personal Gmail account starts at 15 gigabytes and then you can, unless that's changed, it's been 15 gigabytes for a while, I think. I pay like, you know, two cents a year. <laughs> I don't know, it's like five bucks a year. And I've got like a hundred and... I don't know, 120 gigabytes or something on my personal account. I think I literally pay like $5 a year or something for that. It's really, and really cheap to up I 10, pay, maybe. I don't know. I pay a buck a month yeah. for 100 gigs. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. A buck a month for 100 gigs. And, yeah. and if you purchase a Chromebook, you get 100 gigs for a year while you, while, while you're, while you have your brand new Chromebook. And if you're a trainer and have a trainer domain, then that's another story. Well, that's true too. Yeah. But yeah. So I think the question is, you know, would transfer end up, you know, would that eat up all of your space? Uh, not necessarily, because again, if it's a Google file, those Google files are not using up space themselves. And I do have the link for the X pin here. And again, I'm not, um, it's a tentative endorsement. You know, again, I, I just got it the other day and I've been playing, it's like $39, well, 40 bucks. On, on Amazon uh, and they have a bigger version. This one has a, like a six inch by four inch thing. I think for like, that's 40, I think for like 60 bucks, they've got one that's like an eight by 10 writing area if you really wanted more space. Um, it doesn't really let you write on more of the screen. It just is giving you more space for your hand to move. So you can be a little more granular with it, but I just wanted to try it out. So I went with this introductory model and it works fine. You know, I just thought it'd be worth checking out. All right. So the first two links, it's okay, Google Organize My Life is a YouTube link as my Google's going crazy. And again, it was sponsored by Global GEG. 
and everything is on the recordings for that session. It was a really fun session with different tips and tricks about how to just help you organize your life using Google products. So we went and over And if you do G watch it, please bear, bear in mind that the banter between Abid and Stephanie is fun banter, please. <laughs> um, we yeah. talked about Gmail, Drive, and Classroom and just how to stay organized. And so just real quick tips and tricks. And yeah, there was some banter. Um, it was just fun. So it looks like the link I'm is taking offended. me to the, it looks like the link is taking me to the main page though. Okay. I'll fix that link. Then okay. I'll add the YouTube link. And okay. then the next one is Jamboard. So Rachel and I'll change that link too, cause it's taking you to the website. Okay. Uh, Jamboard did a, or Rachel did a session on Jamboard and just talking about all these features and it really was helpful for a lot of educators. So I just threw that link. I'll fix those links again. They're on the website, but I'll make it easier. So it's just one click. Uh, and then Matt Miller, he has a remote learning class. I'm currently going through this with some of my teachers and they have been praising this class like crazy. Um, they were thrown into remote learning within like a day of like, we're going online without like any questions about it. So he has a free course. Uh -huh. It's a lot of reflection. And because we threw them right into this, there was no reflection. So now they're sitting back and going, okay, how do I communicate with kids? How do I set up my Google Classroom? How do I do all this? It's really good and it's free. So he has all these templates, all these resources. So I highly suggest you try to go through that this summer. It's amazing. That's great. And then WeVideo now has gifts, which is super exciting. If you use WeVideo, um, it is like a paid, it's like a freebie type of they have free stuff and premium, um, but they just added gifts. So you can now make gifts using WeVideo, which are super fun. That's great. And then this Jamboard I found on Twitter, um, it has different check-ins. So I just thought it was really cool. Like you can see the different um, good, okay, the thumbs up, thumbs down. Kids put their names on a post-it notes and they can decide where they want their post-it notes to go for that social emotional quick check-in. Cause a lot of my teachers are like, how are we going to do this distance learning thing without having a relationship prior to it? If we are going into remote learning. And so here's like a ch quick check-in, they put their name on a post-it and then they can just post it wherever they are at. Very nice. And then the next one. Google meet plus. So this is another extension. I was having a little bit of issues working with this, but it looks really cool. You can do um, a whiteboard right into Google Meet. You can also put like an away message up if you're going away. They also have a ton of more emojis if you wanted to use it. I could not get the away message to pop up to say like, I'm like if you're doing office hours, I'm away. So come back maybe in 15 minutes. I wasn't having issues with that, but it might have corrected itself, but I just wanted to share this extension that I found. It has way more emojis than before. Awesome. And then I found these Google Keep images on Twitter. If Luis was talking about Keep and he had some images like passwords, you can use all these different cute little things in your Google Keep to help you organize um, your life. Yeah, because <laughs> you can do labels and then you can uh -huh. use these as headers for those different sections to keep it organized. I did forget you can also use colors, but I like using images as headers, which is mm -hmm. more fun. Um, and then Abbott, I just wanted to pull some of his resources out. 
He was talking about Rachel. So I know it's summer. A lot of people are looking for PD options. She created this website. It was her Google Innovator project, Badge, um, Badge Ed Tech. And you can go here and find all of the different companies that offer training. And majority of them, I believe, are free. I don't think there was any on here that did cost. But if you wanted to become a Flipgrid trainer and get that badge over the summer, you could do that. So I was going to share this with my teachers and just say, if you want to learn more and get some badges along the way, you could get your wee video, your text help. And at the top, she's got different areas. So you can get badges, certificates, just to help you with some summer learning, if that's where you want to go, because we're all kind of stuck at home right now. That is so <laughs> convenient to have all of that in one place. Because, yeah, you wonder, yeah, what certifications are out there? What badges are out there? Um, what can I, oh, my goodness, that is so convenient to have that all in one place. Such, such a, a nice service. And then we also had a social powers. It was amazing. I am so bad with Twitter. And Mary is super fantastic. Um, and she shared how to use social media to expand your brand. Um, and one thing that I really took away from this session was I give a lot of action items. And she said, keep it to one. And do like a weekly different, every day has a different post. And she's another Google innovator. I forget which cohort she was in. Um, but she was, this session was like unbelievable. Like I need to re-listen to it because she had so many good tips and tricks to help you with social media. Uh, I could use that too. I mean, <laughs> social media, um, sometimes, yeah, I feel like um, I, I'm not using it to the full potential, you know, I get easily overwhelmed. So great resource. And then the Google Innovator Academy, it's going online. So make sure you do get that application in. It was probably the best PD of my entire life. So just make sure you do apply for, it's going to be all online this year. See, that's great. So many folks are limited in the yeah. past because you have to get yourself to New York or mm -hmm. England or California or Australia or something. And it's like, oh, it's free, but you have to pay to get to it. Well, being that it'll be virtual, that could really open up a lot of opportunities for people where in the past, that's just not been, you know, feasible for everybody. Yeah. So make sure you get that application in. Um, Cause I know the deadline's probably coming pretty soon. And of course there's a ton of other resources. If you go all the way to the bottom though, this is our last meeting of this school year. Um, so we'll probably pick back up in August. And if you want to be a special guest um, like Louise and we've had Sarah on, We've had Jen Giffen on. We've had all these different people share a quick tip or trick. It takes like 15 minutes. If you're interested in being one of our special guests, please fill out this form and I will contact you for next school year. Can't believe we're already no. thinking about next school year. <laughs> wow. Yes, that's at the very bottom. Uh, we would definitely encourage you to do that. We would uh, uh, love to have uh, somebody on every month and, and share things with us. And yes, there are many things that uh, we will not have time to get to that the community has shared, but please do read through these links here. Things from Bruce and Dan and Sarah. Uh, so many folks have shared great resources here. Um, I, I do want to check out this one that uh, um, we have on the class migrator. It looks like it will move Google Classrooms from one account to another. Uh, that looks cool. Worth checking out. Um, all right. Well, 
The um, last thing we're going to take a look at before we wrap up is our Q&A. We won't have time to go into any great depth on these, but I think we have uh, only have two of them, and we answered uh, the first one a little bit earlier, which was, um, will Google Meet Premium go away? And what we're hearing is that September 30th is, at the moment, the date that the premium features are supposed to um, return to being premium. And so it is possible at that time we'll go from um, being able to record to not recording and um, having a, a limit of 250 attendees down to 100, you know, so that may happen. I do see somebody mentioned a, an alternative called a Jitsi Meet. Have not seen that before, so we'll have to check, click on that and check that out at some point. And then the question was, is there an easy way to mute all the microphones at once in, in a session rather than having to go on one at a time and mute everybody? And somebody with a winky face has a feeling that that may be coming sometime soon. So I don't know who the winky face person is who has such wonderful inside knowledge, but thank you for giving us that uh, indication that we will be getting some new features soon. That's great. All right, well, let's do this. Um, Stephanie, if you want to take a look through um, and see if there's anything we missed, I'm going to do a quick little wrap up for folks. Uh, but if there's anything in the chat or anything else that you think we should call out for folks, um, I'll give you a second to kind of look at and see if that is the case. What I will do, though, as a quick wrap up as we begin to uh, wrap this meeting up is to remind you if you have not yet filled out the attendance form that is under important links near the top of the document. It's highlighted in green. It takes you out to a Google form where you can sign in for this meeting. This allows me to send you a certificate of attendance and also report the numbers to Google. I don't send in your name or email. I just use that for your certificate. Uh, with Google, I just send in the, the amount of people who have attended. So please do fill that out if you haven't. Also, a reminder that we do have have the GEG Ohio survey that we're asking people to fill out if you have not done that yet to give us ideas about what you want next year to look like. You know, what can we do to improve this? What new features, what's, you know, working, what's not? Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on that. Um, and other, other than that, um, yeah, we don't have a date set yet for the August meeting, but I think uh, what Stephanie said is, is accurate. We typically take June and July off. There's not a lot of updates usually that happen. If something does though, We'll definitely put our heads together and see about maybe doing a special summer uh, session. We just don't know. There could be a whole lot of things that end up rolling out um, before August. And if that's the case, we can certainly jump on that. But regardless, um, we will be back um, near the end of August for sure for our, our monthly meetings that we will carry on throughout next school year as well. Um, so anything else to add, Stephanie? Um, they just were asking, is your Spark conference canceled? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, so I did have that in the last um, one. I did try to thin out some of the stuff in here. So under the upcoming events, I did pull that out. But last month, I did have that in there. So yes, the Spark conference um, was canceled. Uh, the, the place where we host it, um, Stark State College, was not able to host it this year because of the uh, current limitations on public gatherings of that size and um, totally respectful of that. So um, it was one of those things where like, wow, you know, do we, do we find a different location? Do we go virtual? Um, with a lot of consideration and a lot of conversations, the decision was made to, to just 
to cancel it for this year and to return next year uh, full force. Um, I am so appreciative of those conferences that are doing virtual things. I think there's a lot that have, have stepped up and have done that uh, for the Spark Conference. Unless something changes at the moment, um, we're not planning on having a virtual component to it. I think there's a lot of great opportunities for virtual things that are going on. And we're probably going to take the energies that we have and put them toward a few other things at that time of year, helping our schools get ready for whatever the fall may look like. So uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for letting us know. About that and question. then yes, this the same link. You can rewatch the recording as many times as you want, um, or if you need to pause and look back, feel free. It will be available at the same link along with the podcast. If you want to go back and just listen to the audio, that will also be available. And then yeah, this is our last meeting, so everybody have a good summer, and we look forward to seeing you guys in the fall. All right. Thanks as always to everybody for being here. And thank you, Stephanie, for your help. And Louise, again, for being with us today. Take care. Be safe. See you guys in the fall.